you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show and podcast. My friends and family, we certainly appreciate you guys coming by. Remember, the Chris Voss Show is the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. Today, we're going to be talking about pearls. What? what pearls, Chris? What? Pearls? Yeah, you're going to like this, especially with Mother Day approaching and uh, different things going on that you need to buy stuff for holidays. So we'll get into that in a second. But in the meantime, as always, you should refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Hey, I don't know if I ever discussed this on the show, but we cut a deal about, what was it, a month ago with Simon & Schuster, and they book a lot of their authors on the show. They auto-book all their authors on the show now. We're doing like two to three podcasts a day. Uh, between them, Penguin Random House, and all the major book uh, things. But uh, I don't know if we ever announced that Simon Schuster was auto-booking on the show. Um, so just so you know, there's two to three podcasts a day we're doing. We're normally used to do one to two. And uh, if you can't find something to enjoy in the Chris Foss show, uh, you, you may want to see a psychiatrist and get some help. Anyway, uh, that aside, thanks for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, for says Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, for says Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, for says Chris Foss, and all those crazy places the kids are playing today. Today, we have an amazing gentleman on the show. He started his own pearl company, which is uh, what I need to do in my spare time, or gold company, or other rare gemages, as they like to call them in the technical fields, and, uh, you know, learn more about all this stuff and do more about all this stuff. We have... Uh, Jeremy Shepard on the show with us today. He is an entrepreneur and e-commerce expert who spent more than 25 years in the digital space. His experience is in uh, developing, curating, and launching direct-to-consumer televised shopping segments for NBC Universal, Univision, Television, Televisa Univision. Yeah, there you go. And uh, building Pearl Paradise. Com, one of the largest direct-to-consumer pearl brands in the world. Well, welcome to the show, Jeremy. How are you? Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate it. I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me today. There you go. And I, I already gave your plug-in for pearlparadise.com, so we got that out of the way. Uh, give us a little bit about your origin story. What got you uh, down this road where you uh, now run a pearl company? Yeah, it may seem kind of random, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was actually a, a flight attendant for Northwest Airlines, oh, and yeah. I used to, uh, you know, straight out of college, I, I joined the airline. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to grow up in a family where I traveled a lot and I spoke several foreign languages. So getting a job with an airline was was sort of a, a shoe and easy easy job to get, um, and I wanted to see the world, sort of like you know people join the military for, except it's a lot more cush to be a flight attendant and travel the world than, you know, sit in a ship traveling the world with the Navy. So um, I was a flight attendant with Northwest Airlines and on layover in China, I bought a strand of pearls for um, a girl I was dating at the time. I didn't know anything about jewelry, didn't know anything about pearls at all. And um, I brought the strand of pearls back to the States 
and she got it appraised to find out what it was worth. You know, I didn't tell her that I paid about $20 for the strand of pearls, maybe closer to 25 <laughs> but uh, the appraisal came back at about $600. And so um, light bulbs started going off in my head saying, wait a second, um, is there really that much of a disparity between the cost and the retail value of pearls? Wow. Um, and um, that sort of launched me into this business. Um, at first, I... Uh, you know, checked out jewelry stores, started talking to people who own stores, boutiques, etc. And I found that just about everybody in the industry, we'll call it, um, the jewelry industry here in the States, um, has a very specific way of receiving their, their merchandise, whether mm -hmm. they buy on consignment or they're on memo or, or they have specific suppliers that they've been working with or their parents have been working with. And there really wasn't much room for some new flight attendant kid to come in with a, a, a flight bag full of pearls and, and try to sell pearls in these jewelry shops. So a friend of mine recommended I try something different, something new. And mind you, this was in the 1990s. So, if, you know, this wasn't last year. This is quite a few years ago. He had been selling odds and ends on this new website called eBay at the time. And he suggested maybe I should try selling online. I um, gave it a shot. I didn't end up selling on eBay at first because I didn't have a digital camera, so I couldn't upload photos, which was a requirement. But Amazon had something called Amazon Auctions and Z Shops. So I posted an auction on Amazon. And basically, it was just the details of the appraisal that uh, my girlfriend had received. So, um, of course, I didn't know anything about pearls at the time, but the appraisal said, this is the type of pearl, this is the shape, this is the uh, quality, etc. So I posted that information on um, Amazon auctions. I cashed my paycheck, um, cashed out my credit card, everything I could. I think I had about $3,000. I jumped on a plane, went back to China, went back to the same place I bought that strand of pearls for my girlfriend and said, I'd like as many of these strands as I can buy. Wow. And I bought, I don't know, $3,000 worth, maybe about 100 strands. I brought them back. And within about a week to two weeks, all of them had sold. And so wow. I launched this business about 25 years ago. 25 years ago. So give us an overview of what uh, Pearl Paradise is about, what's on it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, today uh, we've grown into one of the largest pearl retailers in the world. Um, wow. And online, we are, um, by a large margin, the, the largest online. So since that time... Um, I have uh, purchased a pearl farm, an Akoya pearl farm in China. That didn't wow. work out very well, so I don't have that any longer. But mm -hmm. uh, I've also uh, developed relationships with uh, producers and farmers in Australia, and Indonesia, the Philippines, Tahiti, Mexico, um, uh, Hong Kong. And so although I'm no longer a flight attendant, uh, my wife and I still travel about three times a year to different parts of the world where we fly over with bags and we do deals with these producers and processors and we bring back bags and bags of pearls back to the United States. And on PearlParadise.com, we carry basically every type of pearl that's commercially available on the market. Wow. What are some examples of some of the variations of pearls? Well, there are generally two types of pearls. You've got mm -hmm. saltwater pearls and freshwater pearls. 
Oh, wow. know, the names are pretty self-explanatory. Saltwater pearls yeah. are grown in oceans, seas, etc. Freshwater pearls are grown in lakes, rivers, streams, etc. Mm -hmm. um, within those categories, saltwater, you've got Akoya, Tahitian, and South Sea. Those are the primaries. Mm -hmm. And then freshwater pearls are more of the, uh, I would say, less expensive, more starter level type pearls. Um, mm -hmm. And they come in just about every color under the rainbow. Freshwater pearls are a little bit more pastel, but with Tahitian pearls, you've got black pearls, green pearls, purple pearls, oh, wow. rose-colored pearls. So not all pearls are white. And um, a lot of pearls tend to have shapes that are not round either. So people think oh, really? white, classic, round strand of pearls, but really that's kind of boring. There, There's really an entire world available. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, so there's lots of different variations. This is cool. I'm seeing all the different colors and things like that. And I imagine they have to polish pearls to, to make them give them a, that, that shiny look they have. Well, they are, they're polished, not in the way that you would polish diamonds. You know, the surface yeah. isn't necessarily changed. Um, but pearls are one of those unique gems that are beautiful and ready to be worn the moment they come out of the oyster. You know, you think about diamonds, they come out of the ground, it basically looks like a piece of gravel. They've got to be cut, polished, shaped. Um, pearls, you know, you're going to want to wash them. You don't want you know you don't want a necklace that smells like you know the inside of an oyster. So they, they they've got to be washed and um, and then they are polished. They're polished to a nice shine. But other than that, um, pearls don't necessarily need any treatments to uh, to be beautiful. Yeah, and and they're basically uh, you know one of those things that have to be made by clams, right? They just, there's no really other way to make them, right? Unless you make fake pearls, I suppose. Well, I mean, yeah, there are fake pearls out there that are made out of mm -hmm. glass, and um, Mallorca is a pretty well-known fake uh, faux pearl brand. But no, they cannot be made in laboratories. They cannot be made in factories. They are made by an oyster, and wow. that oyster decides whether it's going to be a pearl, whether it's going to be a nice pearl, um, whether it's going to be a valuable pearl. Uh, it's all sort no. of up to the oyster and Mother Nature. There you go. And how much of the cut do these, these uh, clams get? <laughs> you know we're doing them a favor we're doing them a favor we, we pull that true. thing out of them it's sort of bothering them you know we pull it out and we put them back in the water they can grow another yeah it's just it's just amazing how that works i've seen like there's been these i think, think i've seen them on tiktok there's people doing videos where they 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 open up the the clams and pull the pearls out and dig through them and stuff it's kind of interesting to see i don't know what they're doing or what the process is but watching on tiktok is kind of curious i'm like hmm. so that's how that works it's an interesting process, and in fact, uh, it, it's sort of a, how can I put this? It's not real. Let's put it that way. There are, there are factories in, in Asia that um, bring in these little tiny baby oysters, and um, the entire point of these factories is to open these little shells up, insert a low-value, you know, a low-quality pearl into the shell, then they drop the shell into an alcohol formaldehyde solution, which causes the shell to constrict and close. Uh -huh. And so um, it constricts, it closes, and they put it into a, a shrink-wrapped plastic bag, and they ship it over to the U.S. or wherever else they're going to be hosting those pearl parties so that they can be opened on TikTok or opened on Facebook Live. And oh, really? A pearl is being harvested. But the reality is, is it's, it's more or less just a show. Wow. So that was the question I had set up for you too, was how does one determine 
from uh you know real pearls versus you know fake pearls or glass i mean is is it is like a way to test like i'll see these guys on tiktok that uh they uh i watch a lot of tiktok can you tell and they they you know they look at rolex watches and expensive watches and they can you know see what the thing to see if it's fake how, how do you tell if uh it can you chew on it like gold you just go no i'm just kidding probably don't do that you're actually kind of spot on uh, really yeah yeah you just I, you know, bite I it? chew on it i wouldn't bite it but if you take a pearl a, a real pearl um mm -hmm. and you rub it on the biting edge of your tooth really it'll feel like a sort of a, a super fine sandpaper really? okay? and and fake pearls will be smooth so fake pearls will be like rubbing plastic or glass on your teeth it'll mm -hmm. slide right over pearls are they grow by layering down these layers of something called nacre they're these platelets mm -hmm. uh, aragonite crystals that are almost like bricks you can't really see them because um, they're a little too small for us to see them with our with our naked eye but under a microscope or um or even under a, a high-powered loop you can start to see some surface texture and that texture sort of looks like a fingerprint almost on the surface of the pearl and mm. although it's not visible to the naked eye your tooth can feel it wow. so it's not a wives tale you actually can rub a pearl on your tooth to determine whether or not it's real or fake but you also need to have a fake one or a piece of plastic to rub on your tooth right after the pearl so you have something to compare it with because it's it's really okay sad. that's interesting i mean right now all the women in the audience are running to go check their pearls to make sure they're, <laughs> they're about to do the test uh you know and maybe you should you know i don't know it's i i i've i've always been fascinated with how people can do that they can look at things and you know sometimes diamonds or whatever and and figure out if they're real or fake and stuff like that because i i'd be one of those guys who i'd buy from the wrong people and buy fake pearls but that's why people should of course order up your website see how we got that plugged in there on the roundabout yeah <laughs> fake pearls just uh there's no reason for fake pearls anymore if you want um lower priced pearls well then there's freshwater pearls freshwater yeah. pearls are um you know you can get a strand of freshwater pearls for a hundred dollars and it's you know mm -hmm. it's not going to be a really fine quality strand of pearls but it's going to be better than fakes definitely uh, so yeah do pearls operate like uh you know like gold does on the market for gold jewelry where maybe it goes up and down depending upon demand and stuff like that in a way um you know the the uh the market's always changing you know mm -hmm. sort of supply and demand um when a type of pearl is really popular for example right now white south sea pearls are really popular they're they're mm -hmm. uh, trending in in mainland china when anything trends in China, the price goes up because, mm. you know, supply and demand. But pearls are not commodified. And, and this is a really important point about pearls. In fact, it's probably, well, let's just put it this way. The biggest mistake people make when they buy pearls is they buy them like they buy gold and diamonds. Mm. Okay? With gold, you know, you've got 10 karat, 14 karat, 18 karat, 24 karat you know the approximate price of gold everybody can just check what the gold price is today mm -hmm. with diamonds you've got your cut your size your clarity etc and there's a rapaport price list that tells you what the wholesale price should be on those diamonds hmm. pearls do not have anything like this what that means is that 
when people go out shopping for pearls, if they try to take the same approach they use with gold and diamonds, and that is say, I want a strand of Akoyas and I want it to be AAA quality, it's really easy to find someone to sell that to you. But the issue is you could line a hundred strands up with a hundred jewelers and ask them which one is AAA quality. And they might give you a hundred different answers because mm -hmm. pearl grading is completely subjective. There are wow. no objective standards that go from jeweler to jeweler or no internationally recognized standards for that matter in wow. grading pearls. So mm -hmm. with buying pearls, if, it's approached as one would buy gold and diamonds. Mm -hmm. um, it's the easiest way to get ripped off. Wow. That's interesting. And I'm looking at this, the, you have the earrings, you have the necklaces, the bracelets, uh, the pendants, the rings. Uh, maybe somebody should make it so that you don't have to buy diamond rings anymore. You should buy uh, pearl rings. You think that can ever happen for uh, marriages? weddings you know i've made a lot of pearl engagement rings over the years mm. um, really? i you know it, it's definitely not taking the place of diamonds definitely uh. not but um there is that you know that 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 element to the diamond industry that some people don't want to support you know the you know pulling them out of the ground the labor that goes into it etc yeah pearls are a a green gem in that um they're they're sustainably produced Oh. Uh, they're farmed the um you know and that, that's an important point all pearls are farmed now there people don't go out into the ocean and dive for oysters to try to find pearls it, it doesn't mm -hmm. work that way it used to be that way over 100 years ago um and then you know one in ten thousand oysters would you know produce a pearl and oyster populations were being decimated well now pearls are farmed and mm -hmm. not only are they farmed but they're farmed in like ecological reserves um oh. Pearl oysters are, are delicate, delicate creatures, so they have to be really well protected, and the environment has to sustain them for them to produce pearls. So, for people who are who have strong feelings about either the aspects of the diamond in industry that they don't agree with or environmental concerns, pearls are a really great green option to either gift someone or back to your point, even create a, um, a, an engagement ring. There you go. There you go. Hey, there's everything you can do there. And you offer virtual appointments where people can meet with you uh, on your website. Is that correct? Yeah. In fact, um, this is something that is relatively new for us. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, well, I don't think I can actually see it. It's happening. Um, there was a bit of a seismic shift in the way people shopped with us, and I'm sure it's happening elsewhere, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, before the pandemic, most of our sales happened on our website, just directly from our website. And if customers did reach out to us, you know, asking for additional photos of a particular strand or, or um, maybe a video of a particular strand outside in different lighting environments, you know, we, we would provide that. And it was, it was a regular request now people want to meet with us face to face and oh. and i said this shifted during the pandemic because it started happening during the pandemic and i think part of it has to do with people becoming so used to and accustomed to video calls and, yeah. and meeting with people face to face online that wasn't the way it was three years ago now it seems just about everyone has their own 
camera and you know has their own laptop has the ability to meet face to face so um in q4 of last year we actually built a virtual studio and this virtual studio well we brought sammy's camera this big company that uh works in hollywood here in los angeles into our office to create a virtual appointment studio with nine different degrees of light to give sort of that same in-person experience to people online. Mm -hmm. So um, although our virtual appointments aren't the majority of, of mm -hmm. our sales, the majority of our business, we still have several virtual appointments scheduled every day. For, um, and I don't think we've had a day without a virtual appointment for, for several weeks now. There you go. Uh, so people can meet with you. You know, sometimes when you're buying stuff, especially expensive stuff, it's, it's kind of nice to meet people face to face. Oh, At yeah. least, I mean, even though it's over Zoom, there's still kind of a, you know, there's a thing people look for. Looks like you also uh, uh, mix the diamonds with the pearls. Is that a song? Um, yeah, that's a Steely Dan song. Is it? That's a Steely Dan lyric. Mix the diamonds with the pearls and turn it on the world. Uh, Kid Charlemagne. Um oh. I'll have to check my lyrics there, but I'm pretty sure I that's what I that. said. Yeah. Uh, so there's some beautiful, what is this? This is the Golden South Sea Pearls. I kind of like these because they're golden. Maybe that's why I like them so much. But this is pretty cool, the the combination of diamonds, pendants, and uh, pearls. We um, started creating our own findings um, about seven years ago. And um, it's actually pretty unique to what we do. It's... We don't buy findings from regular finding suppliers. By findings, I mean things like ring settings, pendant settings, earring settings, and those sorts of things. We we make them all here right in Los Angeles. And the reason wow. we do that is because we're able to select the diamonds that we want to use with our pearls. When you buy findings from findings houses, which is the way most producers, I'm sorry, most manufacturers work when they're making jewelry, the the findings have diamonds that are typically in the SI grading range and SI is slightly included. So they're they're not the nicest diamonds, but they look okay. What we mm -hmm. do is we buy our diamonds loose and we and we only buy VS diamonds, even for the little tiny ones, the little point point oh. ones, point twos, point fives that we set with our pearls, we use VS diamonds. And um we um, use wax castings here in Los Angeles, and we have every one of the pieces that we make and attach to our pearls uh, made here in Los Angeles for us. Yeah. And we typically do that to order. And believe it or not, it only takes about a day to make them. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's a great turnaround time to pump them out and stuff. The Kid Charlemagne uh, reference was uh, just by chance you crossed the diamond with the pearl. Not sure it's the same sort of meeting for what we're experience uh, meeting since Kid Charlemagne is a song about drugs, but <laughs> I thought that was an interesting reference. I, I don't, I, I'll still I don't look know. it up after this call. Yeah, yeah, Kid Charlemagne, one of my favorite Steely Dan songs. Um, so uh, you know, maybe you can call yourself Kid Charlemagne. Although I don't know the song. I haven't figured out what drug they're cooking. I don't know if it's cocaine or something else, but uh, it's a it's it's a fun song. And if you know. If you know those guys from Steely Dan, they there might have been a little drugs involved. Possibly. But, uh, still, it's a so it's a, <laughs> there's a lot of drugs involved. Uh, but that's what makes great music. I don't know. Last time I checked. So, um, what do you feel makes you guys different as a pearl re retailer from other companies in your competitive field? 
Well, one of the primary differences is that um, we, we source our own product. Um, and um, we can only do that because of the economy of scale that we have in that we, we do sell a tremendous amount of, of pearls. Typically, if you're going to go to a jewelry store, for example, they may have two or three strands of pearls, uh, maybe two or three strands in each category. If you've got several categories, we have over a million pearls here. We've got a wow. 1,300 cubic foot vault. Um, we've been collecting pearls for years. I mean, wow. like I said, we, go to, we travel the world three times a year to buy pearls, and we have a vault that's basically filled to the top of, of pearls. Wow. Um, so typically when you buy pearls, you're buying from a jewelry store that bought them from a wholesaler, you know, one of the wholesale houses in, in New York or, or Rhode Island. And those wholesalers have purchased them either from auctions or from importers or from the Hong Kong jewelry show, etc. We don't deal with any of those steps. We, we go directly to the processors or the um, producers uh, of the product. If pearls were commodified, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is if every strand of pearls had a set wholesale price like diamonds do with a Rappaport price list, we would have no competition. We'd have no mm -hmm. competition at all because the value would be very clear. And, oh. and the difference in buying from a producer and selling directly to a consumer versus buying from a producer, selling at a jewelry show, selling to an importer, bringing into a wholesaler, then going memo or consignment or cash sale doesn't really matter over to a jewelry store. You're really looking at several steps in between. So you could take a strand of pearls that costs a hundred dollars in, in um, Japan or, or in China, for example, and by the time that strand got to a jewelry store, it could be $1,000. It could be $1,500. Mm. The markups are just astronomical. So our business model from the very beginning has been to make fine pearls. Not, mm. not your low-end pearls, but fine pearls available and affordable for anyone, for everyone. Wow. And that's, and that's really unique in, in what we do. Um, other than that, there's there's lots of online companies that sell pearls, um, but there are very few pearl companies online. And, and this is an important uh, important thing to note because anybody can start up a website. Anybody can put pearls online, sell somebody's pearls, start up a website for a jeweler or for a wholesaler, or you name it and not actually be a pearl company so mm. to the websites out there um they're using stock images they don't have their pearls they're not shipping their own pearls if you buy something from their website they send off this order off to uh either someone in china or someone on the other side of the us who is shipping their pearls for them and that's how they're selling the pearls there are actually only two other companies that I know of that are, are actual pearl companies um, that sell their own pearls online. All of the rest of them, basically, they're just they're just resellers without a real pearl business behind them. Even though on the website, you know, they might have stories about, uh, you know, I've been in the business for 20 years or blah, 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 blah. They're really not. And so I would say do your homework mm -hmm. if you're shopping online. And two things, 
always call the telephone number does the telephone number work or is it just on the website to make people think they're a legitimate company wow um and number two ask for photos mm. pearls like i said they're not commodified you cannot say give me a double a plus or give me a triple a strand of pearls and know exactly what you're going to receive and there's mm. lots of variation within each category so asks for specific pearls it's our specific pictures that's something also that sets us apart in that um, most of our sales come after we've supplied either photos or met with someone in a virtual appointment. There you go. There you go. Uh, how long do pearls last? It seems like they last, uh, I don't know, forever. Well, they can. It, it really mm -hmm. kind of depends on her. <laughs> you know? That's true. So, uh, you know, pearls are organic, so they can be, they can be a little delicate. In fact, mm -hmm. with, this is why people who do want to um, create a pearl engagement ring, there yeah. are certain types of pearls that work well. There are other types of pearls that don't work very well for this. Oh. Pearls are porous and they're organic. So they can soak up oils. They can soak up elements in the environment. And they're, they're somewhat fragile. Okay? Yeah. So, so they do have to be cared for. A, a quick rule of thumb is um, last on, first off. You don't oh. want to put your pearls on and then put a bunch of hairspray on or spray them with perfume or other chemicals that can mm -hmm. damage the pearls. Oh, wow. um, if you're that. going to, um, you know, at the end of the day, before you take your shower, you, you take them off before you do your, you know, your facial routine, you take them off. You don't get any chemicals on them. And then the mm. easiest thing to do is after wearing them, just wipe them with a dry cloth to make sure there's no residue. And then yes, they should be passed on generation to generation as long as they're fine pearls. Mm -hmm. As long as they have quality nacre, they will last multiple generations. That is wild. That is wild. I didn't even know that about pearls. I just learned something new today, which is why I have people on the show, so I can learn stuff. Um, so that's, that's pretty insightful. I had no idea, but I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you could, I suppose if you took a hammer, you could crush one if you really went at it, right? Yeah, you could probably do that pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. Watch all uh, your money go up really and smoke. Watch on your money go up in smoke. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't advise it, but um, yeah, it would work. Okay, that gives me an idea for a new TikTok channel, Smashing Pearls. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really off. expensive TikTok channel to run. It would, but man, you'd have some angry people. What the hell are you doing? I'm smashing pearls. I don't know. I actually do one that smashes TVs. I could easily do that better. You know, they I have like the, that better. I like yeah, that better. Yeah. But you know, I mean, think about it this way: it's, it's kind of like a De Beers thing, where you're kind of you're kind of hoarding the thing to drive up the price. You know how they do that with diamonds? You can do that with pearls. You know, you just destroy them. But yeah, I mean, it, it, you could you could just like do that, and just see how people would get pissed off, and then it'd probably go viral. People are like they're smashing pearls. <laughs> I don't know. You know, just do the bad ones or something. So anyway, future. I don't know. You, you may be giving me an idea here, Chris. I mean, we we do have some rejects that we find once. Yeah, in a just while. smash the rejects, and people will be like, smash "They're smashing the expensive pearls all over." You know, and you you spin it as this thing where, like, uh, you know, at at uh, the company here, we uh, we only have the best pearls, so we have to smash the bad ones. This is what we do with the bad ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tune in to see that. I'd be like, "Oh shit, there goes a thousand bucks right there, man!" Wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, can think about it. Run it I'd have to run that one by my team. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, my wife especially. She's the chief uh, creative officer here at the company, and uh, mm -hmm. 
she's my you know my partner buyer in everything so mm. every pearl we buy goes through my eyes and her eyes so we try to make sure we don't bring any pearls back that uh, we eventually have to destroy yeah yeah but, but i've definitely good. seen some and in fact you know it's interesting you bring it up in tahiti for years they had this law that pearls had to meet us a, a minimum quality like level before they would allow them to be exported and in order to legally export the pearls you needed the stamp from the government saying okay these pearls are acceptable wow. now i'm saying acceptable this didn't mean they were all fine they could be really mm -hmm. low end but still be acceptable low end and so pearl farmers would have to submit their pearls to the government of tahiti for testing prior to get getting that stamp that allows them to export their pearls wow. and if the pearls didn't pass they had to grind them up and they ground them up into pat and into powder in this machine that sort of looked like one of those wow. like wood chippers almost where it was shooting out the pearl powder out the back of this machine it's like fargo yeah it's sort of like fargo with pearls <laughs> um and now there we're talking millions of dollars because wow. um you know t-shirt pearls can be quite expensive and if you're destroying thousands of pearls at a time um yeah that could be uh it's a lot of money yeah can you shave pearls? Like, do they have layers to them like that? Or you know, in a way, um, you know, pearls are sort of like onions. You know, mm -hmm. where you've got different layers after layers. Mm -hmm. We call it peeling, uh -huh. not shaving. So, if you take off the the outer layer of nacre, mm -hmm. sometimes. And by the way, this isn't done very often anymore. Um, pearl peelers, pearl peelers that used to actually be a job, and, and experts in pearl peeling had a pretty good business about a hundred years ago wow. natural pearls when they were found um you know natural pearls are so rare you know finding a good natural pearl is maybe one in ten thousand oysters which is why right. pearl farming is now you know taken over the entire industry but if you found a pearl a natural pearl that had a blemish or a dark mark on it that made it either unsaleable or or detracted from the value a pearl peeler could come in and peel off the outside layer of nacre from this pearl. Wow. I've never done it before. My eyesight probably isn't quite there anymore. Maybe 25 yeah. years ago when I got into the business, I would have been able to. But basically, it's, it's as you call it, shaving or more or less peeling a layer of nacre off the pearl. And underneath that layer of nacre is a, is a whole new pearl. Wow. That, you know, Sort of like the rings of a tree in every growth cycle you've got sort of a different tree that was created around that ring. Yeah. Same thing with the pearl. So you've got a different pearl underneath that layer. Maybe that's a new TikTok channel, the uh, pearl peeler. The I mean, I was just making jokes. I was just making jokes about the shaving thing because it seemed funny, but I didn't know that was a thing, a pearl peeler. Wow. You were also making jokes about this bite in the gold thing, and it seems like you've got a little more inside yeah, knowledge than you think I, you did. I guess or something. Maybe I maybe I was buying pearls in a prior life or something. Uh, I see these lavender fresh Adama pearl earrings. Uh, it's got a it's got a beautiful pink tone to it. Lavender, yeah, lavender yeah. is a color that is really particular to a specific kind of pearl. Um, it's the mm. freshwater pearl. Um, the the freshwater mussel that produces this pearl it's a pretty large shell it's about the size of a dinner plate even mm -hmm. though freshwater pearls can be quite small they can also grow to be quite large because the shell's so large inside the shell uh, around the ventricle side of the valve there's this rainbow color that that um that occurs naturally 
and this color's got pink orange purple sort of a like a pastel rainbow almost so the types of or the colors of pearls that the shell produces range from white to basically a dark purple and everything in between within the pastel wow. range wow. so the lavender color you're seeing is is a completely natural color you don't mm -hmm. see it quite as often because mm -hmm. of course white is the primary color that's produced but lavender especially a deep dark lavender is is really highly prized and the darker you get the more rare the color actually is wow that's really cool i'm looking at some of the black pearls too that are on here i think there's a ship called that from a movie but uh the, the, the black pearl or something like that it's a yeah, yeah, movie, right yeah. Movie. yeah disney yeah, yeah. um i i thought that would be a good reference to throw in there it's really cool all the different variations that you guys have on your website and uh how people can mix it with uh gold and looks like some silver and and diamonds and everything and and uh, everything in between anything more you haven't touched on your you want to tease out about what you guys do over there at pearl paradise um well you know what i think there's one more myth that i always like to throw out there um mm. so it's just sort of dispel the myth and mm -hmm. only because it's so widely disseminated and that is that pearls never ever ever grow around a grain of sand oh. like oldest myth in the book and you still see it in on websites you see it in blog posts you see it even in books this description of how pearls are actually formed in nature and it always starts out with this grain of sand gets stuck in the oyster that's not how it happens really it doesn't happen that way no no it happens <laughs> because of either damage to the shell a boring worm boring oh, really? as b-o-r-i-n-g boring through the uh through the shell there's these cells on the inside of the shell that create nacre or shell material, and that's what they're genetically programmed to do. And these cells get pushed down into the body of the oyster from some happenstance, and they mm -hmm. continue to do what they're genetically programmed to do, which is grow this nacreous substance, which is what pearls are made out of. Wow. So although it may sound romantic that you know a grain of sand gets stuck in an oyster and they've got to coat it with this substance to make it smooth so that it doesn't bother the animal. Uh-huh. Just a wives' tale, and if it were true, think about it: the entire ocean floor would just be covered with pearls. Yeah, wow! I got lied to by cartoons. I think that's where I saw that first <laughs> in cartoons. I'm really surprised that Warner Brothers would lie to me like that, but I'm know, not. I know. I mean, at least Pepe Le Pew is still running around. I mean, everybody knows skunks can speak French. I don't even know if that's. I don't know if that's a, uh, I don't even know what, what origin that is for Hollywood theater. Um, but, uh, but we'll just run with whatever I said. Um, so this has been pretty insightful, man. I've learned a lot. I've learned how oysters are made. I learned how all the different things, and, uh, I'm going to go look into maybe a new career at, uh, at uh, pearl peeling. <laughs> maybe I'll just go around and tell <laughs> people that's what I do I, at parties. I'll just be like, Hey, what do you do, Chris? Ah, pearl peeling. <laughs> really? I'll just make up some crap about it. Like, yeah, you get a microscope and you have to, yeah, use the shaver. I like the shaver. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Well, well now you know enough about it to actually carry the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can carry the story, and and all the chicks will be like, "You have pearls," and I'll be like, "Yeah, I got a, I got a whole pile back at the house, but I got to peel them first. So can't <laughs> yeah, until I peel them. So there you go. The pearl peeler. Things I learn on this show. I just love. So uh, thank you very much, Jeremy, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. It's been fun. 
Thank you. And uh, give us a .com one more time. We'll get a plug-in for that. Uh, the website is pearlparadise.com. Oh, there you go. And you can find me at pearlpeeler.com. No, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. That's just a funny thing. Uh, so anyway, uh, thank you very much for coming on, Jeremy. Thanks for audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, all those crazy places in between. The big LinkedIn, LinkedIn group, the 130,000 LinkedIn group, the LinkedIn newsletter. Subscribe to all that sort of fun stuff because you know what? You're going to learn stuff. And when you learn stuff, you become smarter. When you're smarter, you're sexier, like me. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>